Alrighty, it's time. It's All official. Right. It's the 200th episode. Here we go. <laughs> We're in it. All right, take two. Hello, in a. Oh. <laughs> I always feel like I have to do more takes when it's you as the guest, then. <laughs> but it's somebody else. Yeah. I can just roll right into it. It's <laughs> more pressure on here. Uh, okay, take three. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction, innovation, and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. We're celebrating a very special milestone today on Bridging the Gap. It is our 200th episode. It's crazy. To help me celebrate, I am joined once more by my partner in crime, our editor and producer, Eric Daniel. Welcome back to this side of the mic, Eric. Ah, thank you, Todd. It's great to be back on this side of the mic. Love love being on the show and celebrating the milestones. It's crazy. It doesn't seem like we should already be at our, our 200th episode. It seems nope. like a, a lot of episodes in the in the books, but here we are. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to believe. I was looking back at the last... Uh, one of the the recaps of the last episode and it's been about a year i was in this room i was i was in this house i've had this house for about a year so the back the uh logo of the bridging the gap poster looked a little different yeah it's gotten a facelift since then (laughs) i like it any kind of standout moments from the last hundred since we uh we did a big recap episode on, on episode 100 oh the last hundred uh wow uh there wow the there are so it's such a great honor to make it to 100 episodes as a show uh it's it just the amount of work and research and just amazing conversations that goes into getting 100 episodes is a feat and uh to be at 200 it's it just feels even more like the train just keeps rolling uh i i love it uh lots of stands i feel like everything is so different than it used to be i i feel like the major trends and topics that were happening then are still there but there's so many new things and new people and new ideas on the scene that it's, it's almost a different industry in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's been so much changes. It's funny. I, I still kind of think of the, the show as relatively new and that the, we're still at our infancy. Like there's so many different areas that we yeah. haven't addressed and explored. And then you, you look back and it's like 200 episodes. We've been going at this for four years almost. Oh uh, it's, just kind of mind blowing. Uh, so, you know, I love stats. I pulled a couple of stats. Oh yes. Just the, the, the growth of the show and, uh, it's mind blowing, uh, and, and truly, truly humbling of just the, uh, <laughs> somehow people are, are listening and more people are listening to us and, and spreading the word. Uh, it's, 
I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for people to keep coming in. So 2022, the audience grew by a, a third over the, the 2021 audience. And so mm -hmm. far this calendar year, just four and a half months in, uh, as of recording this, uh, 2023 has already matched the audience size from 2021. Wow. So it's crazy. We're, we're like 70% growth over 2022 numbers, which is uh, truly it's, it's mind blowing. I, I keep saying that, but I'm kind of at a loss for, for words around it. It's that, that growth is just unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, uh, you warned me that you're going to pull some mind blowing stats. Yeah. I have a couple more that. for you. Okay. <laughs> so in the last six months, I was looking at the the different countries that people are are listening into. Uh, there was ninety one countries represented in our our listenership, which is it's crazy. It's just truly become a, a an international show. With I mean, that's yeah. almost half the countries of the world are are tuning in. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of pressure <laughs> to to get it right and yeah. to you know make sure that we're we're delivering content that is is relevant to a very diverse, very uh, sprawling industry because construction looks totally different in, in yeah. different parts of the, the world. So um, I, I take that as a, a huge responsibility. Yeah, I get what you mean about feeling like the show can be in its infancy because we'll get a notification that says your show is trending in this country I'm not sure I had heard of the country before. And it was like, <laughs> it's like, a, and it's like the big topic in the, like the technology sector. It's like, there is still so much to learn and to so many people to talk to and so many more conversations to have. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And even with the, the growth of the show, I mean, we're, we're talking to a very niche, small segment of the overarching construction industry and there's that's that's where i say there, there's so many different opportunities to explore different facets of construction and, and what does that look like and not just from the technology vantage point but from the the human side of things from the the business side of things that hmm. you know we, we've touched that we've covered that but we've just kind of scratched the surface in in 200 episodes so i'm looking forward to to really diving in there more but uh kind of first question to you I mentioned feeling the kind of the, the weight and the re responsibility of it. Uh, and I mean that, I don't mean that as just, uh, you know, platitudes. That's, uh, yeah. I really do feel that, that, that responsibility of it, of where do you see, or, or how do you feel uh, kind of that, that responsibility of producing really good quality content that is, is relatable for the industry and, and helps kind of come alongside of them and, and, and support them. Yeah. Big question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there, I think a lot of it is, uh, you got to practice what you preach. A, a lot of these trends, I, I think is where having these conversations, I think the responsibility is to listen more than talk. Uh, I, I think mm -hmm. it, it really, I think everybody would know what the important points are when they're thinking about the industry, but to kind of knit them together and 
uh, share them in a way that other people are like, Hey, I have, I would love to come talk about like this important thing that's semi-related or that I actually haven't heard you guys talk about this before. I'd love to come on the show and, and talk about it. So I think that there's some responsibility in, in listening, but also, um, with your, you, you ask the, if you have all construction power question at the end of each episode, I think there's a responsibility in, uh, keeping the ball moving forward. It's like when some of the, some of the questions are addressed or, you know, people are finding solutions to, to big problems. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a responsibility to, to keep it moving forwards, to keep challenging people not to kind of rest on their laurels in some things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that you said, listen more than you talk. And I, I feel like in, in my vantage point of being able to, to host the show, I mean, that's, that's my, my sole <laughs> role here is to, to listen and just kind of poke in of uh, kind of going down rabbit trails and, and just asking questions. And then I get the, the a pleasure of just sitting back and listening and, and learning from people all over the industry. I've, I've gotten such a, a crash course over the, the, the four years of what construction is and, and mm -hmm. the, the various kind of obstacles and, and hurdles that are in the way, but also the uh, opportunities and the, the rewards that are, are happening in, in construction as well, too, by just coming in with, I, I'm just here to, to listen to whatever you're going to say and to kind of put myself in the, the person's vantage point, whether I have that, that same uh, background or experience doesn't matter. Cause I'm, I'm just kind of interested in, in their story and, and what they, they have to say. So I think there's a, there's a huge lesson, not just in construction, but across the board yeah. <laughs> of slowing down and, and just listening. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so is there kind of a, a key defining thing that you've learned over the, the 200 episodes so far? It's going to sound broad, but the, just how key communication is. Oh, you stole my answer. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, go for it. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of lip service to it. Uh, but it, it's the definition expands so much more than just talking to somebody and making sure that you're heard. Uh, there, I mean, we're, we're talking about communication between pieces of software. We're talking about communication, you know, among teams and managers, employees, it's, there's so the definition is so much broader than just saying you need to talk to people. Um, and I think that applies to probably most industries, but this one in particular, there are, I think there are a lot of hurdles in the way of, you know, we've always done it this way to, uh, I'm skeptical of technology. So there, there's so many, that definition, I, I think is, is so much broader than people realize that until the, that boundary is pushed or, um, you know, like on a recent episode, somebody was talking about how everybody was skeptical about something until it worked. And then the phones were going off 
off the hook. They were just ringing yeah. off the hook the next day. I think that is the potential of what happens when uh, communication works. And so uh, I think that is one of the biggest points that I've seen come up over the past 200 episodes. More than agree. Obviously, you stole my answer. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm always amazed at no matter what the topic of the conversation is, inevitably, it always comes back. The guests will bring it back to communication. It's not that I'm, I'm leading the, the conversation. At least I don't think I'm leading the conversation into to that direction. It, it comes up very organically, almost every single episode of the the need for good communication skills, and then the ability to tell a compelling and authentic story alongside of that. Mm -hmm. uh, of mm. you know, we we talk a lot about how when you're you're rolling out new technology, don't just say the same key points and the key benefits to every single persona and person stakeholder that you come across because it's it's not it's not the same that what's going to be good for the owner is not what's going to be good for the person in the field and vice versa you got to tweak and, and tailor that that messaging around yeah to totally agree well I, I know you have some questions to kind of flip the table on and take on uh some some hosting roles here all uh, right Go for it. Okay. Uh, on the, the line of, uh, on the topic of, topic of communication, mm -hmm. uh, the past, maybe at like the 150th episode, we were kind of wrapping up um, a big series about voices from the field. Mm -hmm. uh, now that we have heard from a lot more people in the field, um, kind of what's your key takeaway from just how from that topic and just how like communication uh, from the field will impact the rest of the industry. Uh, it's essential. Communication from the field is essential for sure. I, it, we don't fix the hurdles and the, the problems, frankly, that exist between the, the field communicating back to the office. Good luck. You're, you're not going to fix the overarching industry-wide problems in, in construction. Uh, more specifically, that was one of my favorite series. I, I love exploring and, and hearing the the people that are actually doing the work that are way more competent and skilled than I will ever claim to be. Uh, and, and hearing their vantage point and perspective on it. And one of the things that uh, uh, maybe surprised me, I don't know if that's, I might be too strong, but I was... Uh, pleasantly surprised I'll go with that with during that series is just the the openness and the eagerness of the, the people in the field to embrace technology and mm -hmm. to bring in new technology you know the the rap is that they don't want it that they uh -huh, they're they're not as eager to change as the people in the office and the people that are are really driving the innovation but that wasn't true in at least the, the people that we were talking to they were super excited about it sometimes they, they need to be uh they need to be convinced a, a little bit mm -hmm. of is this the right tool and the right software for what they're actually where their pain point is and that's a different topic you know going back to good communication skills that's an entirely different conversation mm. 
if you're trying to figure out what is this the right one versus I don't like technology across the board. And yeah. I think a lot of times people that are in the technology world all the time, they, they hear any kind of pushback and they go, oh, they just don't like technology instead yeah. of taking the time to unpack that a bit more and figure out which camp are they in? Are they, are they right. truly just anti-technology or are they just skeptical of this specific one for this specific pain point? Uh, and have you really uh, addressed why it's beneficial for them in this particular case? I think the field actually does a lot better than the office at adopting new technology. I think that it, it's all about proving that it works and not forcing it on someone and sh and showing the benefits. So I think when some... Uh, a new piece of technology is kind of going viral among people in the field and they're seeing how it works and they're testing it out um, and they're bringing it to the office. I think it's always m more beneficial than just it kind of coming as a, a push from the top down. I think, mm -hmm. I, I think they, the field just does so much better at that. Yeah. Yeah, more than agree. I think it has to be an, uh, a more organic process than you, you can't totally mandate somebody to uh, adopt and, and implement a, a certain piece of technology without their buy-in. You can do it, but it it's not really going to be effective because they're, they're just going to do the bare minimum and that's it. You're, you're not going to get the full benefit out of it. It goes back to what we, we talk about a lot of, uh, and you know, firsthand, I'm a big believer in, in this, of sit down and, and have the white space to plan out what you're, you're thinking before you actually just willy nilly dive in and yeah. think that implementing a, a new piece of technology is going to solve all the, the issues and problems that you have. Cause it's, it's not, uh, it's probably going to make things worse unless you take the time to, to figure out where are the, the weaknesses going to come into play? What are you trying to get? What's the, the end goal? What's your, where's your North star that you're going to try to uh, reach in, in this new technology? And then what's, what's your game plan to get there? That's going to change as you start to practically roll it out, but you have to have something on paper for you to have any chance of, of success. If you don't, you're just yeah. throwing darts totally blindfolded and good luck trying to hit the target. Hey innovators, do you want to help inspire the next generation of architects, engineers, and builders? Applied Software Great Tech Group does too. In fact, they have launched a scholarship contest and need your help spreading the word. If you know any students or teachers who could benefit from the contest, tell them to visit asti.com slash AEC scholarship for more information. Applied Great Tech is giving away over $1,000 to help students pursue their dreams. And we need your help to make it happen. So what are you waiting for? Let's make a difference together. So if we zoom out a little bit and we look at not just one piece of new technology, but we look at all of them in the, the ecosystem of a an organization um so if we look at the interoperability side of things how 
has that definition kind of changed and evolved over the past year? And uh, what kind of impact do you think it's had? I'm going to go broader than a year. Thinking back okay. on the the last four years, when we started Bridging the Gap, interoperability was a word that, that very few people even knew how to say. <laughs> uh, and it was much more kind of theoretical. We were talking, it was like the early days, which seems crazy that it was just four years ago, but it, it was kind of the, the early days of, of digital transformation and, and really uh, starting to evangelize that that message of what does that mean and what does that look like? That's not what the conversation is today, four years later. It's uh, how do you ramp that up? How do you accelerate that? Interoperability has become not just a, a theoretical, like this would be really nice to have. It's it's actually starting to happen. And I think that's the, the huge difference of the, the four years is when we started interoperability was that that theoretical thing now it's it's starting it there's a, a long road of, of where we still need to get to uh but there's been so much progress that has been made in that and even the the, the big players in the space have come around and are open to interoperability of that co-opetition mindset of we have to be able to connect and we have to be able to really sync all this data or, or at least make it easy for somebody to come in and try to sync the data around because that's, that's where you're going to reach critical mass. Yeah. I, I think it's been a little bit of a labor of love because with so many new tools coming on the scene, uh, I feel like a lot of people are just kind of learning the hard way once everything has just kind of been adopted, but it's like, ah, now data is kind of the most important thing that's starting to build up and happen in the industry. And these tools don't really know how to talk to each other yet. They each do their amazing thing, but the amount of efficiency that could be gained from making them talk to one another is it's just miles beyond one, one single tool. Yeah. And to get on a mini soapbox, since you brought up data and collecting data, that's important. It's more important to know what you're going to do with that data, why you're collecting that data, and how you're going to interpret that data. Most people are just compiling these, these huge data lakes without having any real concrete plan of what they need to do. They just know that they, they need to collect it for something, maybe possibly potentially someday in the future. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's that there? There's no strategy or there's no plan in, in that. It's, it's very uh, ambiguous. We have to clearly define an, an answer, even if it's conceptually answer, why are you doing this? Hmm. What do you need it for? What are you trying to, get and uh, accomplish out of it. If not, you're just going to be lost in a, a vast ocean of data and good luck trying to find anything in that. Whose responsibility is it to figure out what to do with that data lake? 
Ooh. I, I mean, I think it's everybody's. It's, it seems like a cop out, but everybody has a piece of it because everybody has a piece of the data. So that's where the, the challenge really comes into place is that you have to get all the stakeholders in construction on board. And, and it, I think you probably start on a, on a project basis of like, okay, for this specific project, how do we, how do we think about the data? So everybody should be getting around at the table. It's not happening the way it should, but everybody should be getting around at the table at the beginning from the, the owner to the architect, to the contractors, to all the subs, all that stuff to map out what the project is going to look like. How are you going to use the data? How are you going to, uh, how are you going to communicate with each other? What mm-hmm. kind of platforms are you going to be using? Why are you like, what's the the goal? Obviously get the building built, but w- what are you trying to accomplish and lay out all the, uh, kind of standard operating procedures there of how are we going to communicate with each other going back to communication again. Uh, and so you map that out and then everybody has a, a portion of that, that ownership in, in pie because people are, are then invested into the, the end outcome. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Nice. Uh, what uh, is, so we're coming off of a, a really cool series that, that I've really enjoyed. It's been one of my, my favorite series of the show is the Advancing Prefab. Uh, you know, yes. We've had over a dozen Advancing Prefab episodes that, that have gotten dripped out over a course of several months. I, I, I lived it in two days, uh, but it's been really fun being able to kind of relive those conversations over the, the last couple of months as well too. What have, what stand out for you in, in that advancing prefab series? Uh, it was, I don't remember which conversation it was, but um, someone remarked on how many people outside of modular and prefab were there. How many people outside mm-hmm those industries were there. It was like a huge number. And I think that is something that stood out is how, how wide the reach of those topics have gotten. I I think there has been a lot of talk about modular and prefab over the past few years. Um, but much like interoperability, I think people are starting to finally hear and understand that it is, it's not just some Lego blocks that look cheap, uh, at its core. And I think that's where a lot of the conversations were going was that, okay, now that people are understanding this, here's where, here's the like true potential of, of prefab. And I think there was a lot of excitement there on seeing that people were, were getting it and were understanding it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I left that show and, and listening to these conversations over the, the last few months just has left me totally optimistic of the, the future of the industry and where we're going, the energy behind it. And the, the momentum has really been picking up. Uh, which is is super exciting to see. You know, we, we've talked about the the convergence between manufacturing and and construction, and, and what does that mean? And 
how does construction learn from manufacturing and vice versa to get the the best out of both worlds and it's it's happening there was so much yeah buzz and, and energy and momentum uh, uh not only just within the people but hearing the the reaction to the conversations as well too has been uh really cool to see that it was you know sometimes you're you're at a trade show and you're like well i'm just in this trade show bubble feeling the hype and the right. the energy but coming out into the the real world so to speak <laughs> uh and the real world of of linkedin you know uh, of <laughs> and and digital of people's responses yeah. on the episodes that's been that's been cool to see that it was not just contained in phoenix in february yeah. for advancing prefab there's a whole army behind the movement that yeah. uh, i think has just exponentially grown for sure as well too and i think and, that one of the one of the things i like another takeaway that came from the show was that uh the whole the whole narrative was kind of like okay great now that people outside this immediate industry are starting to understand the benefits here's like a key takeaway and i think that that key takeaway was productization i think that is totally the the thing that is has universal appeal it's like yes why why are we having to reinvent the wheel on this same you know fire stairs the the same time the every every single time why are we reinventing the wheel on xyz bathroom the, the same time and i think that concept of productization has so much of a a broader understanding because everybody knows the things that they are have to rebuild every single time. That's like, why, why do we, why are we doing this differently every time? Right. Yeah. Two things that's Amy Marks on both of these. Uh, I love a good Amy Marks quote. Of course. The, the first is the digital waste exponentially leads to, to physical waste. She said that during advancing prefab and a hundred percent. That's of course true that if you, are, are just totally wasting time and we're rebuilding the model six and seven times throughout, you know, everybody that, that touches it has to rebuild the model. That's so much waste in yeah. that, that of course it's logical that it's going to lead to, to physical waste and uh, a bunch of rework. Uh, and then the, the, the second thing is the expected experience that hmm. Amy's talked about for several months now too. Of If we are expecting something in our, our personal lives that, we're going to order something on our phone real quick and, and be able to, to track it all the way through. And we know all the different sizes and dimensions and you know, specifications of it. Why do we not expect that same thing in construction? Why do we settle for way less in construction than what we do in our personal lives? And so I, I've been you know, going around trying to megaphone that, that message of, of Amy's because uh, it makes total sense. Of why settle for less in construction? when clearly the technology is, is capable it's there we can track a lot of this stuff and we can do a lot of this stuff because we are doing it so to the doubters out there of yeah. oh well that's not the technology is not there that's not true of course the technology is there we just got to bring it into construction and demand that it it yeah. happen and it's going to take a, a collective voice of no this is our expectation 
rise up and, and meet it. Challenge tech providers to match the expectation. Totally agree. <laughs> uh, so where do you see the the next step moving for construction as, as we start to really industrialize the, the industry? We, we have that convergence of, of manufacturing and construction from all the experts that have come through the the virtual doors here on, on the podcast. Where do you see that next step going? Right. I think right where we were just talking about, I think it goes down to standardization and productization. I think that is going to start to apply to more than just physical pieces of the project. I think, I think that's going to apply to data and how data is architected. I think that's going to apply to new pieces of technology, how those are implemented. I think there's going to, there's a, a better process for how to implement and all and get buy-in and also to hook that up to the rest of the interoperable pieces of software. I also think that it's going to, there's going to be more standards and processes around hiring as well. I think, uh, to set people up for, uh, to, to come into those roles. Um, we were just talking, um, to Katie Hall about kind of the AI and hiring side. And she was saying that, um, something I liked that she said was that, um, competencies are going to come more into play. So, Mm -hmm. uh, people having transferable skills from maybe industries, not even really related to construction. I think we're going to totally come into play. So I, I think all of these things are kind of converging on more standards and more streamlining. Mm Hmm. Yeah, I think the the competency piece is, is really intriguing as well too. As as we we look at the obvious skilled labor shortage that's been mm-hmm. talked about over and over and over again, uh, the the competency of of going into other industries of yeah, they may not have construction experience, but they have these competencies that are directly correlating and beneficial to the construction industry, and pulling those people in and trying to recruit them over into yep. the the industry. That's a it's a fascinating avenue to to channel, and I, I think it makes a ton of logical sense to to go in and and try to find the people with the the, the needed soft skills, with the the needed project management skills, and, and convince them to to come over to construction. That necessitates the the industry uh, going on that that PR campaign <laughs> as well too, and trying to change the the perception and the the image of the industry. And we, we talked with Aaron Volk uh, just recently as well too, of the, the industry needs kind of our own U S army ad campaign of be an army of one and, and make, make construction cool and, and really come together as an industry and be aggressive and go out yeah. and proactively pull in the next generation and, and figure out how to, how to talk to them and meet them where they are and what's going to resonate with them not necessarily what's resonating with us that's in the industry already, because right. if that message worked, those people would already be in the industry. 
the message of what's resonating with people in the industry is not working with those outside. So we have to change our tactics and change our, yeah. our, our messaging. And But we have to present a united front in that. Yeah. And I think tactics have totally changed. I, I think I've, there's no doubt still the huge issue of the labor shortage, but I feel like we've heard those words used less and less. And I think the problem is being just reframed. And I think organizations are just taking the responsibility for reframing it as, uh, we have a hiring problem. We have, we, we need to figure out what is going to attract the next generation, but also attract people with the right skills. So I think that's, that's another key point that's kind of next for the industry is that that problem is being reframed to, okay. Uh, there will, there won't be just a magic influx of skilled labor or magic influx of people that understand these new tools. We need to reframe how we're recruiting them. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before, but I think you're totally right. Uh, the, that phrase, the skilled labor shortage has come up less and less, and it's been more about hiring and retaining and how do you uh, attract the, the next generation, which all rolls into the, the skilled labor shortage, but yeah, it's a, it's a reframing of the, the issue. I agree. That's cool. Uh, where do you see the future of bridging the gap for the next 200 episodes as we move from year four to, to year eight, where do you see it going? I, I see the reach kind of going even deeper, uh, on some of the topics. I think there is a lot of power in kind of looking, really putting a lens to some of the major parts of the industry, just like the, the series on advancing prefab. I think so much came out of that short amount of time that, um, I don't know. I think there will be more current events type of topics. Like there are the major trends that will, we're always going to cover, but I think there are new things that are, are coming onto the scene all the time that I think, uh, people really want to talk about like right as they happen. Mm. So I, I see there being more, reach there, but, and, and just more reach into the rest of the world. I think there will be probably we'll be able to reach people in new languages. And I, I think there's a, a ton of potential to keep covering those trends, but I also think the show, I think we'll keep, uh, making great resources on here's what we've learn from this whole time. And I think we can help put all that information kind of into action. I think we'll have strong, even stronger calls to action on, um, things like hiring and productization and everything like that. I think, I think we'll probably start challenging people even more to break the mold 
and do something different. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, about and looking forward to, to diving more into the, the the stories and exploring the the similarities and the differences between how construction is done in, in various parts of the world, how we can learn from each other. The same, you know, as we, we talked about the convergence of manufacturing to construction and what can those industries learn from each other? I think the same applies in different parts of the world. They they have different approaches to construction, different mandates, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and how they have to legally and the requirements to do construction. But we can still learn from Canada, can learn from the US, the US can learn from Canada, UK, uh, Australia, you know, and we've had guests from, from all those different places. But I think being able to just go deeper in that of what are you doing well that we can do in, in this part of the world and and vice versa, where are the stumbling blocks that, that we've been having, but another part of the world may have already figured out and we can just kind of pick up speed and uh, kind of crowdsource good information. Yeah, I love that. So final question for you, Eric, if I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one part of the industry, what would you pick to innovate? Well, I had a thought on the innovation question. I should have known that this question was coming. I thought you were going to ask, what does innovation mean to me? <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> it, but you've answered it a couple of times, but you could give another version of it. If you have a, a, a new take on what does innovation mean to you? I think it probably be similar to what it was last time. I think it's a mindset and I think it is constantly figuring out how to make things work and then making them work better. That'll be, that can be my soapbox, uh, <laughs> but I'll stay on. Um, if I had all construction power and I could innovate one thing, the, just the agreement, uh, on like a really attractive library of just standards and, and templates. I think mm. if there is kind of universal agreement and adoption of those. I think there's so much less waste. I think there so much gets taken off your plate that you can, you can focus on other things. So somehow getting agreement or buy-in there, maybe it's a big kind of open source type of thing where people are kind of sharing the, the best versions of those standards and tips. Yeah. I think being able to, to, take some of the mundaneness or mundanity, however you say that word off the table and giving you some, I think it's giving you the most valuable resource back, which is time. I like it. That's a good one. Uh, so for the record, you know, I, I never get to answer this question. I, I get to ask it all the time. Uh, I'm cheating because I'm going to say two things, but it's, historically my question so i'm gonna take that <laughs> that liberty so on the the technical side i would snap my fingers and uh interoperability would just be a thing no matter what software you used you could pull data in easily seamlessly connect it and it would just it would just work uh you would just say i want to connect software air a to software b and boom it goes you can pull all the the data that you need magically on the the human side of things is my my second vantage point. 
And that would be just to, to snap my fingers and, and people would just own their story, embrace their story mm-hmm. and then share it. No matter if they think it's compelling or not, just talk about it, share your story, go, go out and it doesn't have to be something grand and elaborate. Just talk about what's happening on, on the job site and what's going on in the industry. That's the only way that we're going to be able to kind of pull back the, the mystery that is construction to those outside of the industry is if we, we talk about it and we, we share our story. Yeah, no, t- I totally agree. Well, Eric, thanks so much for uh, joining me on, on, on this side of the, the microphone this time and for all the huge major work and uh, heart and blood, sweat and tears <laughs> that, that you've invested in, in bridging the gap over the, the last 200 episodes. Looking forward to the next 200. Ah, well, thanks, Todd. I'm looking forward to it, and I totally agree. It's a, it's the, it's my favorite investment here. It's I'm, I'm invested in the show, and I can't, can't wait to see what the next 200 bring. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take: In a day and age when we have so much incoming noise, and everyone is seemingly in a rush to state their opinion. It is more important to listen than to talk. By actively listening, we learn things, realize the shared pains we all have and can make improvements. Second take, it is important to have a mindset that is willing to challenge the status quo and be looking for those 1% improvement areas. With some humility, willingness to learn and ask questions and an open mind, innovation can flourish. And finally, I am truly grateful for the support you have all shown me and the show for the past 200 episodes. I mean it when I say I count hosting this podcast as a great responsibility to the industry. This show is for you. So if you have any thoughts on topics and guests, feel free to reach out. It's always great to talk with you all. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.